Welcome to the O Morning Briefing. It's Thursday, March 17th, episode 170. St. Patrick's, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. It's always such a fun day. Get to wear our green shirts and celebrate a little bit of Irish culture uh, on a day like today. And back after two weeks of absence and touring the world and having a great time and serving clients is your friend and mine, co-host Bert Garland. Welcome back, Bert. We're happy to have you back on the program. Thanks, Phil. Happy to be back. And in case you didn't know, uh, it is March Madness time these days. And uh, I, I had to support my uh, University of Arizona uh, Wildcats, who are ranked number two in the country and number one seed. And uh, hoping the Wildcats pull it through this year. They're it, quite is a good that team. A, is that a junior college team? Yeah, they might be. It's, it's an interesting story. Gonzaga, which is number one, uh, Arizona's head coach was the assistant coach at Gonzaga for something like 20 plus years. And, uh, this is his first year at Arizona and, uh, he's, he's really done quite a, an amazing job. So, but I see you're sporting green there. So that's, that's I, a good thing. I'm sporting green. I am 25% Irish. That gives me a, a good reason to, uh, to wear green today. Um, and I studied a little bit of St. Patrick's day history, to, to be honest, I, I didn't necessarily know a lot about it. And I'd like to just kind of share a little bit of history that I discovered here. Maybe everyone knows this. I did not. Um, I did know that actually St. Patrick was not Irish at all. He was British. Um, and if you know anything about the, the Irish and the English and the British um, and the Scottish, they are completely different. If you consider an Irish person, an English person, um, that's a highly offensive. Um, so he was not Irish. He was British. Um, and this is all according to the History Channel. You can look it up. Uh, he was taken prisoner at age 16 by Irish raiders and taken to uh, the island of Ireland and held prisoner and served uh, as a shepherd uh, in isolation away from everyone. And after six years, he claimed that he heard God's voice telling him to leave Ireland so he uh, escaped by walking away, made his way back to uh, England, and then uh, started studying uh, his religious training. He then returned back to Ireland to spread the word of Christianity um, and so forth among that, and that he was technically uh, was never, and I'm probably going to make someone really mad with this that gets over the top here, but he was never uh, canonized as a saint. Um, and I did not know that it was, um, he was likely just proclaimed a saint by uh, popular acclaim. Um, so he really never was canonized, uh, at least back then, as a saint by the Catholic Church. Uh, so little bit of interest. Um, he is by far the most popular saint uh, when we think about it in forms of celebration days, particularly here in the U.S. So it's a fun day. Um, I've been to all the parades in my lifetime uh, around St. Louis, which has a lot of Irish communities. We get to uh, spread some cheer with beer. Um, and I am happy to say I have tried green beer before and can't say I like that any better than regular beer. Anyway, that's that's my little high Irish history for the morning briefing listeners today. All right. Well, thanks, Phil. Uh, I, I, I appreciate all that background. Uh, on on, I, I, I'm just curious who you've picked to win the college basketball poll. 
Is oh, it Baylor? Um, is it, is you it know a what? Team I'm going to go for Illinois. Um, Illinois. I'm going to go for you know local favorites here. Um, I don't really have a dog in the hunt, uh, but I'm going to pull for Illinois being, uh, you know, a local, what I'll consider, you know, a local university for us, uh, within driving distance. And we have a lot of Illinois fans and a lot of Illinois haters, and that just makes it more fun. I, I think Illinois and Arizona are set to collide in the uh, third round. So we'll, uh, at least Maybe that's we'll what have I a have in my friendly wager. Yeah. That's what I have in my bracket. Yeah. How <laughs> about this? Correct, if I if I win, this. you agree to do the next 170 episodes, and if you win, I'll do the next 170 episodes with you. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, not not a chance. I'm not doing them on my own, Phil. <laughs> so, but I did correct it. I've I've got a green uh, tab on myself here, so at least I'm participating a little bit. And uh, where, where's the origin? If you're not wearing green, you get pinched. Do you know um, that one. I, that started probably in some bar uh, with some <laughs> drunk guy somewhere with the barmaid, I'm guessing. I have no idea, but I'm not going to recommend anyone do any pinching of anyone at work today. Please don't do that. Good idea. Um, saying, well, it was St. Patrick's Day and they weren't wearing green is not going to be a good excuse. Not, not a defense to uh, harassment or discrimination or assault, huh? Uh, that is true. Um, I think you're going to struggle to even help a, an organization in that case. Perhaps, perhaps. All right. All right. So we got a lot to talk about, Bert. I'm glad that you're back. Um, I will have a couple questions I want to get to uh, quickly as it relates to COVID that have been uh, coming in. Um, but today's program, we're, we're going to talk about this new bill um, that um, marijuana screening for St. Louis County job applicants will no longer um, be part of the hiring process or the vetting process. And I wanna get back in and talking about that. I wanna set up the poll question. The poll question is, do you agree uh, with the uh, exception of some safety related functions, we should completely eliminate drug screening for marijuana or not? It's a yes or no question. Yes, I agree we should completely eliminate it no, we should not completely eliminate it with exceptions for, you know, job related functions. Um, there is definitely a trend that goes, um, that's going on across the country. And we're seeing more and more organizations, particularly as they come in through AIM, uh, asking us not to do marijuana testing. It's not a new practice by any means, but it is definitely becoming more and more of a common practice. And I'm just curious what our listeners' position is. Um, they agree, they don't agree with it. I know many of you do your background verifications and drug testing through us. Uh, those are company policies. I'm curious, what is your position on that? Just a few facts as we get going. There's 36 states that allow adults to use marijuana, either medically or recreationally or both. Um, so it's definitely starting to become more and more prevalent um, as a legal practice. Uh, in 2021, St. Louis City stopped screening job candidates um, for marijuana use as a lot of cities have as part of a bill that eliminates jail time and cut fines for possession of small amounts. Um, there's an argument that cannabis legalization advocate, or advocates uh, want states to do more to protect workers. Um, they note that workplace drug tests don't measure whether someone is high. We all know that at the time of testing, which is why it's more and more important 
to be able to do the uh, under the influence training and indicia training that you saw advertised uh, right before the morning briefing here. If you're a member of AIM, you have access to that. You should take advantage of it. That's why we have it for you. Train your supervisors and managers. Um, but there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people on both sides of uh, of the aisle, if you will, on this particular issue, Bert. Now that's a setup. Maybe they call it a teaser, but I want to ask you just quick a couple questions, just as it relates to COVID. Uh, sure. Mary has been waiting patiently for this response. I wanted you to give back, Bert. And basically, she's asking now with the uh, lack of attention um, around COVID, um, and so much has changed. What's what do you recommend that organizations keep doing? And I'm just going to refer back to what we were doing, Bert, and what we were recommending. We were suggesting people, um, you know, do a uh, self-proclamation when they come into the office and maybe take temperatures, fill out forms, um, you know, record their, um, their health status as they came into work as it pertains to COVID exposures or symptoms. So first question is, do you recommend we still do that? And any different recommendations other than the CDC and locally and federally um, federal guidelines that are still published uh, to be followed? So fair questions from Mary. And I think at this point, uh, you, you still want to keep people out of your workplace who are experiencing symptoms of COVID or who have tested positive. Um, we, we still don't want widespread outbreaks at, the, at the, the plant or the office or wherever your workplace is. And so I still think an attestation from people uh, or at least at a minimum, a reminder to people that they should not report to work if they're experiencing their symptoms of COVID or they've otherwise tested positive. The CDC is still uh, recommending the people who are tested, who have tested positive continue to, to isolate for a period of time. Uh, interestingly, when, uh, as, as you mentioned or referred to, I was just uh, in, in the beautiful country of Italy uh, recently, and in order to get back into the United States still, you have to have a negative COVID test within 24 hours of your departure. And so the, the United States still does not want uh, people who, who have COVID coming into the country uh, the, the, and also uh, the CDC still is recommending that people who are having symptoms or who test positive also continue to isolate. So I think from the employer standpoint, you still want to have reminders out to people uh, occasionally, or if you have guests coming on the premises, you want those guests to certify that they are not suffering from uh, COVID symptoms and have not tested positive. Um, with respect to masking and other types of issues at this point, uh, I would definitely continue to follow the local guidance on that. Um, as employers, you, you, you know, with, with most of the mask mandates having gone away uh, in most facilities being opened back up without masking, you just want to make it clear that people are permitted to wear masks if they so choose and that people should not consider anyone who's got a mask on as having COVID-19 or as having some sort of health condition uh, that might indicate that they are uh, suffering from some other illness that COVID-19 could exacerbate. And so you just wanna make sure 
the people understand that this is a, a choice that they can make. Uh, and if they choose to wear the mask, it's not because of some underlying health issue uh, that they're suffering from. So things have definitely relaxed quite a bit. I mentioned on the program a couple of weeks ago when I was here, it is just like magic. I mean, it's COVID-19. I think uh, today, March 17, 2020, was my, that might have been the day I actually came home from the office uh, the, the, for the first time and started doing some work from home. And uh, here we are two years later, COVID-19 hit six months before the presidential election and magically six months before the midterms. Uh, it, it's just, even though it's still an issue out there, Phil, it's uh, the, the, the restrictions are magically being relaxed. I would never hate, I would hate to suggest that anything about COVID-19 has turned political, but again, it's just, uh, the, the, the coincidence is astounding to me. Yeah, and it's just a coincidence, Bert. I am yep. 100% confident I'm in your corner on that one. Yeah, uh, but it, it is absolutely amazing, you know, and what's good for one crisis and helps it go away is another crisis. And, and, you know, we have now another global crisis. And I think that's uh, maybe helping cool the waters around the world. Let me just ask you this. What was it like in Italy as it related to COVID practices compared to here in the Midwest? So everything in Italy was open, uh, but masks, N95 masks are required everywhere indoors. Uh, and so for those of you who have not experienced the N95 masks, those are, they're, they're more cumbersome. They're, they're more difficult to breathe through than just a cloth mask uh, with the idea that it offers more protection for both uh, when you inhale and exhale. Uh, so N95 masks required indoors, uh, everywhere at restaurants, museums, uh, on the trains, uh, in the airports, I mean, everywhere. The other thing is, is that uh, to gain admission to virtually any museum in Italy, uh, and I can't say with 100% certainty that, that every restaurant did it, but definitely the majority of restaurants and hotels and those types of places uh, would check our CDC card uh, for vaccination status. And you're only admitted into those places if your card says you, you've been vaccinated. In Italy, uh, they use the European, what they call super green pass, which is a, uh, a, a code on your phone that they can scan and verify that you are vaccinated. But for Americans, they they do accept the CDC card. So I would say that if you're vaccinated in Italy, uh, it, it's pretty much everything is open. You can participate in anything as long as you've got your N95 mask on. Uh, if you are not vaccinated, I would uh, believe that uh, your participation in society is very, very severely restricted over in Italy. Yeah. So how did that work as an American? Did you have to, how do you show proof of vaccine then as an American there? So either presenting your physical CDC card, or you can have a picture of your CDC card and just show that. And, uh, you know, it, some museums were more strict than others. They would actually look at the dates of your last uh, vaccination, your last booster, and, uh, you know, run the quick calculation to make sure it was within the last, I think it was 100, uh, 270 days. And uh, so, so definitely much more strict over there than, than here in the States.
All right, very good. All right, well, let's get on to this topic. What is it that St. Louis uh, City is trying to achieve uh, with this passing of the bill, in your opinion? Well, so so again, I want to just correct you, Phil, real quickly. This is actually the county. The county, excuse me, the yep. county. You are correct. Yeah, the county. Yeah, the city city apparently I think has has already uh, done this. Um, and so what what they've done is they've uh, the the county council uh, on Tuesday approved a bill uh, Tuesday of last week approved a bill uh, that. Um, uh, Sam Page is expected to sign into law if he hasn't already in the last uh, seven or so days uh, to ban pre-employment and random drug testing for cannabis for most county workers. And so uh, the bill really builds on a broader uh, local action to decriminalize cannabis possession and cultivation in the city of St. Louis, as well as uh, there's a similar uh, bill that passed in the Kansas City Council uh, last year. And so this one passed the county council four to three. Uh, it was sponsored by council member Lisa Clancy. And basically the bill says no person currently employed by St. Louis County or applying for employment by St. Louis County shall be required to undergo pre-employment or random drug testing for the presence of marijuana metabolites, THC, as a condition or part of employment. And so um, there are some exceptions to the bill, people who are mandated to undergo drug testing under state-specific or federal laws, those who work in safety-sensitive positions, and those who are suspected of having been intoxicated on the job could still be screened for cannabis. So yeah. Uh, that's basically what the law said, what, what this new ordinance or uh, council, uh, I, I, I can't, I don't know if it's a law in the county, I would, I think it's more of an ordinance, but uh, it's the same effect, I just don't know if they call it a law or an ordinance here in the county, and um, like, like it says, it's basically uh, permitting or, or preventing employers from testing employees either uh, as part of pre-employment or randomly for marijuana in their system. Yeah. Um, those safety sensitive positions think people who are out, you know, out and about in the county uh, operating heavy machinery, uh, those types of positions, obviously, those folks could still be tested. And importantly, if anybody is exhibiting those indicia of uh, being under the influence at work, the employer, uh, the county is still allowed to test those folks. That is not random, that is reasonable suspicion testing. Great. I hate, you know, uh, Nick, can you show the results, uh, please? I, I mean, these are pretty uh, astonishing results. I wasn't sure what we would get, but I mean, almost 80% um, are agreeing that with an exception of some safety related job functions, we should completely eliminate drug screening for marijuana. That's, um, I'm a little surprised it's that high, but I'm not completely uh, surprised. I know a lot of organizations have already made that change, but if you haven't, uh, give us your opinion. We sure would like to, to get that. But I think that kind of gives a sentiment in and around marijuana uh, use uh, today and some of the challenges or not it's creating in the workplace. And our chat line is definitely lighting up more than ever. I know people have opinions on this. There's a few topics you know you can always strike a chord with. This is definitely one of them. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to take issue with that, Phil. First of all, it's not lighting up more than ever. I would, I recall some COVID days where uh, we really literally could not keep up with the chat line, but uh, I, I, I digress. Uh, the graphic that's on the screen though, I think that's really uh, quite interesting. And you've heard me say this before, and I, we, we've talked that uh, when, when uh, medical marijuana was authorized in the state of Missouri, there's a there's a process that these groups, these pro-marijuana uh, uh, groups go through around the country, and it's almost identical to what the gambling uh, went through. And uh, it, it's similar to any nationwide initiative that gets undertaken by these lobbyist groups. And what it is, is it's the slippery slope. And Nick, if you could throw that graphic back up there, I know the slippery slope is normally we're referring to like a line chart, but if you think about it, you sit at 12 o'clock noon on this chart right here, and you're looking out uh, over the over the edge of that slope, Phil. And what's going to happen is is this slippery slope. You start to tread out there into that lighter green area, and or, or lighter blue area. Sorry, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm Irish thinking today. That lighter <laughs> lighter blue. Uh, you tread out onto that little slope right there, and pretty soon you slip and you start going around this whole this whole pie chart here. And what I mean by all of that is this: they knew, and they've they, this is the roadmap that they and the the gambling everything's followed across the country is they get a piece of this past. And first they start with the medical marijuana, and once they gain acceptance on the medical piece. Uh, it makes it much more palatable to then move to the recreational piece. Yeah. And that's where this is going. And that's the pattern that it's followed in every state. First, it's gone medical. Then it goes to, uh, to, to, to um, recreational. It was the same thing with like the gambling. Uh, yeah. First, it had to be uh, actually on the water. Had and, to float up and down the river, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Had, to, had, to, had to actually float, I think, or, or yeah. move up and down the river. Then it had to be, it could be stationary on the river. Then it could be in a quote-unquote moat. Uh, <laughs> I think out in the uh, casino out in St. Charles, I think there's still a moat around that casino that you can't see, but the water actually ro rose, rolls around underneath that casino, and the gambling platform is actually on the water. And now, you know, we see that uh, now the water is not even a requirement on on a lot of these uh, uh, for gambling. And it's the same thing with marijuana. They follow that same pattern. It's a slippery slope. Once you start, it's very difficult to stop. And I do think that it's going to be uh, decriminalized. I personally, I've, I've never actually tried marijuana. But the, the solid libertarian inside of me uh, says that legalize it, legalize it all. Uh, and let people uh, do what they want to do as long as they're not harming anybody else, then, then so be it. There is one side effect, though, that I do want to uh, com uh, comment on about the marijuana use. Uh, people also know that recently I spent some time up in New York visiting my daughter up there. And New York, I think, uh, interestingly, they have mobile cannabis uh, vans that go around New York City like like. Uh, lunch vans like uh food trucks and they're selling marijuana out of these things and Get out this, of town yeah i mean it's it's everywhere and these trucks are very creative i mean i should have taken some pictures of some of them i mean they're fully vinyl wrapped and uh look, look great and everything they but, probably look uh, better than the food trucks right 
I don't know about that. But, but uh, if you could park the, the mobile marijuana truck in the center of the food trucks, think <laughs> how much talking. the sales of the food trucks will go up. Yeah, now you're talking, now you're talking. So so it was interesting to see those trucks, but again, not being a marijuana user myself, one thing that is really, really obnoxious with the uh, legalization of marijuana everywhere is there is no covering up that smell. And you walk around New York mm -hmm. City, uh, it, it could be eight o'clock in the morning, it could be two o'clock in the afternoon, it could be eight o'clock at night. And the smell around the streets of New York City with that marijuana, it's almost a relief to me when I walk past somebody carrying uh, smoking a cigarette or, <laughs> or, or a, uh, a pipe, certainly, which you don't see very often, or a cigar, because that smell is so much more palatable than that skunky marijuana smell. And it is everywhere. I mean, yeah. you can't walk down the street in New York City right now without smelling marijuana. Hopefully, uh, with, with St. Louis being a less urban culture, that we don't start experiencing that uh, on the streets of St. Louis or, or even the streets of downtown. But uh, that really is a nasty side effect of marijuana. Uh, but I, I digress on that for a minute. So again, one of the things uh, also that, that we should probably talk about is uh, one of Ogletree Deacon's offerings. Uh, Nick, if you're able to put up that uh, other graphic I sent you, Existing clients of Ogletree Deacons have uh, access to uh, what's called our o OD Comply, uh, which they we offer several uh, topics that clients can log into uh, where you can build your own maps. They cover topics on ban the box, marijuana, paid sick leave, personnel file laws, predictive scheduling, right to work, salary history limitations, sexual harassment training, state minimum wage laws and voting leave laws. And what you do is you're able to click on the map. Here's the marijuana one, for instance, you click on any state and it'll bring up a very short summary of what the state's law is on that particular topic. And then you can click to get actual citations to the laws in that state, uh, in that specific state. So the one this I've is put, part of a OD comply, which is a product provided by Ogletree to its clients. If you're not a client, you can become a client calling you becoming um, privileged uh, under contract. And then this would be available to them. Yeah, exactly. And okay. so uh, the, these are available. And, you know, so the one I've, I've made available here uh, again, sticking with our green theme today, Phil, we've got uh, dark green where the state legalizes the use of marijuana for medical and recreational purposes. The lighter green is just for medical and the states uh, in gray are the ones who do not permit any use of recreational or medical marijuana. It's amazing can, how that chart has changed over 10 years time. I was, Ab I was just going to say that. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're sticking with green Phil. I mean, I don't know if the greens related to St. Patrick's day or just marijuana. Uh, maybe we chose green because it's related to marijuana for this map, but uh, it is really interesting. It follows a very similar pattern that we've seen repeatedly. And that is that these efforts really start on the coast, the East coast and the West coast, and they work their way across the country. Illinois uh, is, is one of the most uh, liberal uh, the, the, or progressive states uh, in the Midwest, along with, um, with, with, with uh, uh, usually Wisconsin. It's interesting to see that Illinois 
is a fully green state while Wisconsin uh, still has not authorized anything. But you can see that influence from the coast uh, working its way toward the middle with uh, the southeast uh, still still trying to be a holdout there. Yeah. Now, um, what uh, what's important to know is that your provider, whether it's AIM or anyone else that's providing your drug testing background screening, uh, should be vetting those practices for you where it is and is not legal um, to provide those test results. I know we look, we look after that and govern that for our clients very, very closely. Um, I want to get back, Bert, to um, one clarifying question for Michelle here in the chat. And we've had lots of chat uh, on this, and I wish I could share many of the comments. But uh, one thing she is asking um, this only applies to the employees um, of the county versus all St. Louis County employers. Correct. Right now, it just applies to employees who are working for the county of St. Louis, not yeah. to uh, private employers. Private employers can still uh, do what they want. There is a question. Private employers can still do what they want with respect to uh, testing. I should finish my sentence there. Uh, there is a question right now on whether it applies to uh, contractors to the County of St. Louis. At this point, I believe that it does not apply to contractors of the County of St. Louis. It applies to direct employees, people who are actually working uh, for the county itself, who, are, right. who the county is the employer. Okay, um, last question that was coming up in the chat here is, we don't require it for pre-employment hire, we do say that you cannot be under the influence. Let's just walk through a quick scenario. Someone um, goes through this wonderful AIM training that we have. They believe someone is under the influence. They send them to get tested. The testing comes back that they have used marijuana, but we still don't know if they are, if they are under the influence at the time um, of observation or not, right? A manager or a supervisor says, we believe you are based upon the testing and training we've had. The test says at some point in the recent time you've used marijuana. Can an employer terminate at that point if they have the correct policy in place? In, in all likelihood, yes. And I think that's where it's really important that they've gone through the training so that they recognize as we've talked many times on the program and other AIM trainings that I've done, if, they, if the employer recognizes those indicia of impairment uh, and, and the employer can then say, we recognize these five things, we sent the person for testing, they tested positive, uh, we believe that the person was under the influence at work. Okay. And I, so, so, so that's where that training really comes in handy. Uh, that's reasonable suspicion testing. The testing would then be a confirmation of what we observed in the workplace, the behavior we observed in the workplace. And I think that's the importance of either having AIM or Ogletree. Look at your policy and make sure that your policy gives you the flexibility that you're wanting to achieve in these times when we're somewhat in between uh, a developing law that's very quickly progressing. Um, yeah, that's that. that's exactly right. I mean, it's with with times of unprecedented inflation, I'm going to say it's not the $64,000 question, it's the $64 million question. Is the person under the influence at work? And that is where you need to have some training, some education so that you know 
what to look for that uh, that uh, and, and it goes from all of those things we put up on the screen in the past, Phil, that there's physical indicators, uh, there, there's mental indicators, there's odor indicators, there's all of those indicia. Uh, and if you're experienced or you've had some training in this and you suspect that that person is under the influence, that is enough to support sending them for that reasonable suspicion testing. And then that testing would be the confirmation uh, it, at that point that the person does have marijuana in their system or had it in their system at some point, and they're exhibiting uh, being under the influence, and that would be enough to support a termination. One thing I will say really quickly, I know we're a couple minutes over, but one thing I'll say really quickly, make sure you do not, as the employer, create another situation of discrimination where you're only uh, reasonable suspicion testing the black employees or the male employees or the employees who are uh, in a certain age group or of a certain religion. You want to make sure that it's- Or guys with this, long hair and beards, right? Exactly. Bert? You you yeah. just want to make sure that, uh, Phil, are you talking about me by any chance? You you you, you just want to make sure we're not uh, creating a situation where we're uh, creating another type of discrimination through our testing. All right, look, we're a couple minutes after I tell you now you don't have to go to New York. I can drive down the road here in St. Louis and I can smell it. And I'm like, I'm in my car. I can smell it's all around me. Who is that? Um, I just think it's really becoming a, a part of our everyday um, life culture. Um, I think it causes us lots of problems we have to be careful of in the workplace. Reach out to Bert or myself if you have any questions. Take advantage of the Indicia training. If you're an AIM member, it's available to you on demand by visiting our website. Bert and I will be back here next Thursday. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining. Happy St. Patrick's Day. If go, you've ever been to a career fair, are many different companies there all clamoring for the attention of these 22, 23 year olds just about to graduate college. And we needed something that set us apart. So we produced a VR video that showed a glimpse in the life of what it was like to work for Nortech. But they could do so in a way that really was pushing the edge of technology, which is how we wanted to be seen by those candidates. We empower our employees to reach forward and look for those new opportunities. And the VR technology, using it during the recruiting process, allowed us to do that.